0: Welcome to the show. So, a woman came to me recently and was curious about how I started my business. And she's so excited to start her own business. And she said to me, Okay, I think I want to make like $65 an hour, so I'll ask for 70. And I said, No, ask for 100. Why do you only want to make $65 an hour? She was leaving money on the table. And the worst that the people would say was no. So we got into a whole discussion about money and I got so fired up. I thought we need to talk about money here on the Purpose Girl podcast. It's too important because in 2016, female full-time year-round workers made 80.5 cents for every dollar earned by men. That's a gender wage gap of 20%. And Hispanic women are making even less, 56.6% of non-Hispanic, of white men. Black women, 61.7%. This needs to change, and we are the ones who can make that change. As we become empowered around money, as we feel confident and strong in our voice around money, as we understand the importance of money as energy and to help us fund our dreams and to help us change the world, we can make a huge impact and we are worthy of it. So today's Purpose Girl podcast is all about us getting super clear about our own fears about money, us banishing, getting rid of, eradicating all of those old stories and getting so juiced up and so empowered around this super important tool, money. And my guest today is going to help us get to the bottom of this and empower us all. And I cannot wait. I am so excited to introduce Tanya Gaujuso. Tanya,
1: welcome. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Yay.
0: So I need to tell you all about Tanya. I met her in a women's empowerment program that I've been doing, and instantly I was drawn to her. And we just had so many similarities. And as she started telling me what she did, I was like, we got to get her on the podcast immediately, because everyone is born with unique and special gifts. And Tanya happened to be given the gift of organization. And that's what really fueled her dream of becoming an entrepreneur. And so at 30, like only 30 years old, she made that dream a reality and launched her business, Cut the Chaos Organizing, and found that organizing was so powerful for creating clarity and simplicity for her and for her clients. But it was working with her clients on the psychology of money that really began to fascinate her. And she realized that money was the weakest link in living a life that is well balanced and organized. And I know I can relate to that. I know so many women and men, but really women. And I want to share some of my stories and uh, clients and what I hear out there from women. It is a weak link. And so Tanya decided to focus more on money organization, helping her clients remove the stress around their money, helping them get clarity around how to better manage their financial flow, and thus lead a more productive and stress-free life. So she customizes and tailor makes programs to help people, to help clients get to the core of their financial fears, their deep-rooted misconceptions around money. It's almost like she calls it like invasive surgery, and I want to really get into what that is, Tanya, in a little bit. Like how you extract our negative money beliefs, our negative beliefs around money, and really get to the heart of helping someone have feel safe and peaceful around their fiscal situation. So I am so excited. She's all about opening up your heart, awakening the joyful inner child, giving you the tools to overcome guilt and shame around finance and helping you become financially empowered and independent and free and kick ass and badass and wealthy. Let's just call it abundant and wealthy. So, so happy to have you here. Welcome, Tanya.
1: Thank you so much. And yes to all that. I'm just getting so excited hearing it. I'm like, yes.
0: Yes, 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 yes. This is so, so, so important because, you know, we're all on a journey to live our purpose. And for a lot of women, that means going out on your own. And I hear this all the time. Karen, I can't go live my purpose because I need this particular paycheck. I, you know, I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got kids to feed and money is this huge fear and huge block to living on purpose. And I know I felt that when I was desiring to do this work in the world and had my steady paycheck, making over six figures in corporate America, I was so terrified. I kept thinking I could never make money on my own. I could never make money on my own. And so, of course, I didn't make the move. And now I'm on the other side of it. I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I had done it earlier. So this is so important. So I want to begin with what is going on with this this wage gap? (laughs)
1: oh my god there's just so many different things that I want to share with everyone so I just want to focus in on um just that the wage gap I mean Karen you're doing it right now with you're bringing it to light um maybe some women do know about this or um they feel it when they're in the workplace um the reality is is that it really does exist and it's not being talked about um there's so much charge around that topic because it then goes into bias and um it's inequality and mm-hmm. it's a really super topic that no one wants to talk about. But the thing is, is that women need to start getting angry and asking for what they want because that's at the root of it. Um, I think that there's so much fear underneath it all in hearing no, because, you know, as women, it's like fear of rejection and all these other things. And right. no means you went for it. <laughs> no means oh. that you did it. You know, so if that's the worst thing, then that's the most beautiful thing. So I think it's first change in the conversation of like, why are we so scared of no?
0: Oh, my God. This is so good, Tanya. I want to put just like a big old frame around what you just said. No means that you went for it, right? we It's like we're so afraid to go for something, But if you get no, at least you went for it. I love that. I was reading about failure and how many times Bill Gates failed and Steve Jobs failed and J.K. Rowling failed. And it's like, maybe no is is really the pathway to success because, right? So, So this whole thing of we're afraid of no, so we aren't even asking. Correct. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about what you see, what you hear, your experience in this fear of hearing no?
1: Because it's a real fear. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's there. I know that um, some women have gone and gotten the no. Um, The other thing I feel, too, is that there is this stigma around money. And a lot of what I hear, besides people being afraid of the no, they don't feel like they know enough about money.
0: Or Mm. there is this
1: really big story that's running in the background, like, Oh, I'm not responsible or um, I don't know what I'm doing with it or I'm wasting it. And all these stories are allowing us women to be blocked around asking for what we want because we have money shame.
0: Right. Oh, this is so interesting. So I had seen that that an author of a book called Women Don't Ask, her name is Linda Babock, and I haven't read the book, but I was so fascinated in doing my research for today's episode that she, I found that she had surveyed a group of MBA men and women and found that 57% of men negotiated their salary when starting a new job, and only 7% of women did. Yep. And this is a real issue. And perhaps it's the fear of No. And one of the things that I started getting curious about and reading about is if we've heard no in the past, then maybe we aren't as likely to go and ask again. And is there something a woman has to fear that if she asks, she's considered high maintenance? She's considered
1: bossy? I would say yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's definitely is because there is that stigma in the workplace right like not let's not say the b word no one wants to be called a bitch because it's a woman who's going for what it is that they want and so i feel like as women we are so afraid to be labeled something Mm. that then we don't ask for what it is that we want but how about if we just reframe it and i'd rather be called whatever you want if if i'm getting what it is that i want (laughs) so You could call me a bitch if you're giving me my yes to the salary that I want. So there's a lot of reframing that needs to happen, but I think you nailed it really on the head with the stat on men ask for what they want, but they know what it is that they want. And a lot of what I find, and which is the basis of what I do is clarity. Like Mm -hmm. if to go into a room and ask for what you want, there needs to be this confidence, right? To overcome the no and all of this. So what's your number? And a lot of women don't get asked, like, what is it that you want? What is it that you desire in your life? And put a dollar amount to it. Um, that You perfectly said it in the beginning as well with the woman who asked about owning her own business. And she's like, I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Well, because the first thing is, is like, what's the life that you want to create? Mm-hmm. And then put a dollar amount on it. Maybe for her, 65 really is her amount that makes her happy. But you're not going to know if you don't start seeing that. And sometimes that big picture could be so... Uh, confronting it can be so daunting that we don't even go there but yet this is the thing that's stopping us from asking what it is that we truly desire and want for ourselves and sometimes it is less than what we want because we rather have time like this Mm. is going into a whole other thing but six figures is great but you know do you value your time with your family more than you value the six figures and what that's going to bring so it's really getting clear around what it is that you want to create in your life and like what's that dollar amount So then then you could ask for it confidently.
0: Oh, I love this. So really going up to the highest level of what your ideal life looks like. Everything from time to how you live to what you're able to do to how you want to be in the world. So really going up to the highest desire and seeing what that dollar figure is. Oh, this is so beautiful. And so Once we do
1: that, what if we get freaked out by the number? Um, It usually doesn't. That's not the case. Okay. Let's say, From what I found when I work with people, they're actually not freaked out by the number. Normally what happens is they they think the number is a lot higher than what it actually is. Mm. So what your mind is making up is most of the time a lot worse than the actual number, which is why I love doing that with people.
0: Oh, I see. So I was thinking of it the other way, but maybe somebody has in their mind, well, to live the life I want to live, I have to make 200000 They actually do the numbers and it's like, no, to live the life I want to live, 75 is where yes. I need to be. Oh, this is brilliant. And so it actually is a relief.
1: Yes, a big relief. And this is why so many people are not moving forward because the fear of the unknown exists. And just to help your viewers out and everything else, like I pulled a stat on something and 6.7 billion billion dollars is used was used in 2006 in market research hmm. so the world out there is targeting people and their fears and insecurities of and putting out there what they think people want ah. so you know we might think that we want two hundred thousand dollars because we need all of these things because it's what we're being shown but when we get down to really asking ourselves the question like what brings me the most joy? And what is it that I really want to create? The number actually ends up being less than what they think it is, because a lot of it is what we think we want, because there's $6.7 billion out there (laughs) telling us what we think we want.
0: Right. So all these marketers are coming at us and constantly saying, you have to have this expensive cream and that expensive technology, Mm -hmm. and you have to be vacationing here. And then social media, I have to guess, is doing this to us, too, where we look at everybody else's life, and then we get kind of FOMO, right? Like fear of missing out that... We better create the life that they have or else we're not going to be happy.
1: Exactly. And I'm all about people living a luxurious life. I'm not trying to cap anyone. Uh -uh. My whole question is, is this really what you want? And is this what's going to make you happy? Because if it does, then you move forward with so much ease and grace because it's what you want for yourself, which is versus what you said, the FOMO of, oh, I just want that because someone else has it. Well, of course, you're not going to want to really move forward because you're really not doing it for you.
0: Right. It doesn't feel good. Right, right, right. And then once you have it, so one of the things we know is that it's called the Easterland paradox that money only makes us happy to a certain extent. So research that's been done has shown that once our basic needs are covered and everyone has different basic needs, right? So like if one of your mm-hmm. basic needs is you you know you' you tense up a lot so you have to have massage once a month. I say, cool, add that in. Um,
1: absolutely.
0: right. but once your needs are covered, Additional money doesn't add that much more happiness. And what they found is the average in the United States is $75,000 on average. After that, there isn't much more happiness in your life until you reach about 200 or 250. Um, At the same time, I I don't want any of this to block a woman, any of you who are out there listening and you're like, you aren't, there's what Tanya is saying is you need to create the life you want. So don't reduce the life that you want, right? Get clear on the life that you want. And then you brought up something else that's so interesting I want to talk about, Tanya, which is kind of the stories that we have around Mm. money. And I did a women's program a few years ago, maybe probably like five or six years ago, with a seven-figure coach who was going to teach all of us coaches how to increase our business, And maybe about a month in or two months in, she started teaching us about something called a money story. And it was new to me at the time. And now I'm much more familiar with it. And it was that we all carry these stories about money. And I know that you're expert at this. So first, can you tell everybody what a money story is?
1: Oh, I would love to. (laughs) (laughs) So the money story is basically... um the beliefs that you have around money that are running in the background that maybe you're aware of, or sometimes you're not even aware of. And it's pretty much what is running the show Mm. of what it is that you're attracting with money. So it could be, I mean, and there's the normal ones that are out there, right? Like money is the root of all evil. Mm. Um, Money has a really bad stigma. So a lot of people's money stories are negative. Um, it's, you know, if you have too much money, it's going to be greedy. So it's all of these beliefs that have either been programmed from the outside world, or from what I have gathered from my clients, a lot also has to do with how we grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're from a family that were of immigrants, a lot of scarcity runs in the background which means that there's you always have a fear of things running out because that's what you grew up in you know they came over from another country that was going through war I mean everyone went through its depression so it's an underlining story that exists with a lot of parents yes. and so we carry that conditioning in so that's what a money story is it's you know your parents may be saying like don't spend that money you really don't need that and it could be that we're really working hard and yet, we're afraid to spend our money and really enjoy it because there's a money story or there's a fear leaf that's running in the background that has us not really own what we've created or really enjoy it and right. spend it the way we want.
0: Right. This is so important. This is this is so important. You brought up immigrants. Well, my grandparents, may they rest in peace, were Holocaust survivors, mm. and understandably, they saved. Everything they used, everything right. So, a tea bag was used three times, yep. right? So, that was how I grew up. I grew up with their daughter, my mother, who doesn't save tea bags. Um, but it, it, that conditioning is like in my cells, it's in my bones. And I also grew up in a very wealthy area, so wealthy that in the high school yearbook. One of the spreads was the top 10 cars in the parking lot, like the Corvettes and the, you know, BMWs. And like we were 16, you know, so but my family, I never I I had everything I wanted. Right. So I'm not saying that I didn't have money by any means, but we didn't have as much as the other kids. Right. Right. So I was fortunate. I did. I got my parents hand me down car when I was 16, but it wasn't the BMWs in the parking lot. So it's not like I can complain. I had a car. But what I learned then was that other people have money, not me. And what I learned, right, I I grew up with a lot of stories while well, the snobby kids have money and that if you have money, then you're instantly a snob. And so I think that I created like that story made me feel better, right? When my parents bought me at the time, this will show my age, I was guest jeans were like all the rage, right? And they were like $70. And $70 mm-hmm. back in like 1980s was a lot, you know, in the early yes. 1990s. And so they bought me a pair of guest jeans, but they didn't buy me a closet full of guest jeans, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, was, it helped me to think, well, those are snobs. Money means that you're greedy. Money means yes. that you're snobs. Money is for other people. And mm-hmm. I remember the the line, money doesn't grow on trees. And what's funny, in some right? So (laughs) Uh did you grow up with money stories? I mean, Uh now you do this work in the world. So I'm so curious.
1: Oh, God. And then they still come up. And I still get them. Now that I'm aware of them. The thing is, like, you start to, uh, let's say, unpack them. And I'm so glad that you are showing what your money stories are. Because the thing I want to highlight, too, is like, yeah, it's easy to point a finger and be like, Oh, well, it was easy for you. You grew up in an affluent neighborhood, like you really didn't struggle, your grandparents. Here's the whole point. It doesn't matter what another person's money story is. A belief is a belief and everybody has them because growing up, there was something traumatic that happens around money that you didn't get. And we made up something and that's the money story. And that's the reason why we're not going for what it is that we want. You were in a program because at one point you knew that there was something blocking you because everyone else has money, not me. Well, it's going to make it really hard for you to make money. And, <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> right. If that's my belief and I continue to believe everybody else has money and I don't, well, then that's what I'm going to keep creating.
1: Yeah. Like for me, it was my parents are, you know, I'm a first generation. So they came over mm-hmm. from Italy. Same thing. Like, you know. I had everything, basic needs, you know, went to school, went to Catholic school. And, you know, they did what they did, but they wouldn't give me anything extra. There was food on the table, you know, that was all provided for. But, you know, I would play basketball and I was like coach of the team and MVP. Mm. And I'm like, my, I mean, I really need some good sneakers. I'm like, these sneakers are like, they're just like not a name brand. Mm. She looks at me and is like, Are they the same? Are they made the same way as the other sneakers? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, those are the sneakers that you're getting. I'm not paying for a name brand. If you want them, you go out, you make your money, Mm.
0: and you get what it is
1: that you want. And Mm. from there, I forged the path. And like, I started working when I was 13 and making my own money. Because for me, it was then also I have to do everything on my own. And it was sort of like a big F you. um, I forged my independence in Mm -hmm. making money. So I made money almost like the source of my world. I mean, I made a business out of it. And then once I started to unpack the beliefs, I used money to replace love. So for me, it was like another kind of thing. Like it was like my power center. And then what ended up happening is I, I just started to chase dollar amounts and the joy in my life had completely gone out the window. And that's when I really turned my business around as well, because I start to realize that There's this illusion that money will make you happy. I mean, you had said that stat about the Mm 75,000 and I had gotten about there. And then after that, it wasn't making me happy anymore. So I really had to take a look at my life and what I thought money was. And then I started to learn that money is just a tool. And I also start teaching people how a powerful tool it is, but it is not happiness and it will not give you happiness. It is does relate to a lot of what we have in our life. Like you need to pay rent. Like I get that you do need it, but at a certain point it does not create happiness. And I think it's a really big illusion that people follow and then get disappointed when they work so hard, maybe even skip out on family time and they get to a certain age or at a certain point and then they look back and they miss that on so much. So it's really getting clear on your money story and, and really asking yourself like, why do you want, do you want a million? Fine. But why? Like, Mm, what's the mm. joy in it? Like, what do you really want to create?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, this is so good because I think a lot of us wanting that money is is still coming from fear, right? It's that fear of missing out or I'm supposed to, or it means that I've made it. It means that I'm, right? And it can come from like fear of um, not being safe, right? I'll only be safe if I have a certain amount in the bank. Um, And there's also, I've spent reading a book lately called The Soul of Money. Mm. where
1: Have you read that book? I have not read that book.
0: So someone recently recommended it to me. And she's a woman who she and her husband actually had built up amassed wealth, like real wealth. And she felt empty and they were getting another summer home and they were getting another boat and their friends were getting then a bigger boat. And so it just became this issue. It wasn't happiness. It was just trying to do more and have more. And beyond in positive psychology, we call it a hedonic treadmill, this idea that more and more and more will make you happier. And then there's never enough because you keep adapting to whatever you have.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Right. So she really stepped back and had always admired Mother Teresa's work. And she really stepped back and wanting to give meaning to money and then started getting really passionate and involved in ending hunger, world hunger. And so then started making missions to India. And it's really been inspiring me because, as you said, money is a tool. And there's a lot that I desire in my life. Josh and I desire to live in Paris for three months next year. I desire a beach house one day. I know that that's where I want to write my book. So and I know that those things make me happy. And thinking about it as a tool, I'm becoming very passionate about how could I help women around the world become empowered, not just the women here in Western civilization, but girls who Mm -hmm. don't have education. And so money, right, me making more money is going to help with larger mission. Yes. And so money is a tool. I think that this is so important. So so one thing is, it sounds like we all have to get clear on our money story. Yes. And what preconceived notions or beliefs we have because a belief is just a thought that you've thought over and over and over again and you can choose any thought right so so what do we do with a money story once we're like oh i have the belief that money is evil what do we do
1: we switch it so the first thing is is a lot of people might even be in denial i'm like Mm. oh i don't have a money story so the first thing i would suggest for anyone who's listening if they want to do it's very simple just make a list of 10 things that pop into your mind of what you think about money real quick (laughs) Because the first thing you need to do is bring up what's at the root of the problem. And Mm. sometimes we really, our mind could play tricks on us. So writing it down also does something as well and brings out. So I would write down the 10 things you have around money. Like one of them, like you said, money grows on trees or, (laughs) you know, uh, only 1% of the population control the money. There's not enough money or, Mm. and just write them down. And then the next thing that you do is you then write it down in a positive way. Mm. money does grow on trees. It's paper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it in a way that it's not emotionally charged or like, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it is, it's paper, it's a tool and you start to transform them and, and make them into positive statements because really what we do think is what we manifest. So if mm. it's negative, it's going to be a negative relationship to money. Cause that's the other thing I want your listeners to know as well is money is just a relationship
0: hmm say more about that this is so interesting
1: it's just a tool so do you have a negative relationship with it do you think that it leaves you as soon as it comes in do you you know when you have it hold on to it too tightly um are you a high maintenance where you just spend it all like when you really start to think of it it turns into what you believe of in a relationship Mm. so it's starting to get around like how are you in relation with money is it negative is it positive And really starting to get clearer on that. And your money beliefs will show you that. So then starting to write it as a positive affirmation. Like, I attract money. or money flows to me with ease. And it might sound very wooey. And trust me, um, I came from the logical side for the first (laughs) years. Which is why I love what I do. Because I do take an approach of male and female energy and blend it together. Because the thing is, you can't. Positivity will only take you so far. Action has to come into place. So it's really learning how to marry the male and female energy to have a harmonious relationship with money. Oh,
0: this is incredible. I, I feel like I want to put an exclamation point, underline and circle and put a frame around everything that you're saying. Yes, we all have masculine and feminine in us. And the feminine is this place of intuition and... Belief and the creativity and inspiration. And then the masculine is, okay, now the action. Yep. And we're going to go take action. And something you said, really, I want to go back to you said that often you hear from clients that they don't know what to do with money. And I so fall into that category. I never knew what to do with money. I still don't understand the stock market. So I kind of avoid it, I leave it up to my. Financial planner. Okay, you guys are learning a lot about me today. right? I leave it to my financial planner. So, what is this, What is this all about? I I had seen somewhere that even like fifty. It was a report from UBS that just recently came out that fifty six percent of married women leave the investment and long term financial planning to their husbands. Now, in twenty eighteen we're still leaving money decisions to our husbands, so <laughs> I'm not that bad um but I don't under- i feel like oh I don't really understand it, I don't understand the stock market so what what's going on here
1: yeah I'm, I'm, just to make light of the stat that you had um I don't know if that's such a good thing because. I just was looking It's a out. terrible thing. And it's a just terrible thing. <laughs> to make women angry, I want to take more control over their finances. I was looking up stats because this is one that absolutely makes me so damn angry, like really pisses me off. And this is from CNBC, and it's a stat from 2017. 57% of Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings account. That, yes. 1000 Less than. And then out of that 57%, 39% have no savings at all.
0: Whoa. Okay. So no judgment if you are one of those people. No, no. judgment. I mean, Tanya and I are not judging. It's more just to say, let's, let's get going, girlfriend, because you deserve. You deserve exactly. more right now and you deserve a different future. Yep. So this is important. So, so let's talk about why this is important to have more than
1: $1,000. And what do we need? Because it's keeping the scarcity conversation going. It could be Mm -hmm. why we're not asking for a raise because that paycheck is so important. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, your life literally does depend on that. And I bring to light this stat to bring up the topic because so many people are sitting on this. The fear is real. The stat shows it. So you're not alone. This is Mm -hmm. the point. It's, Money is such a taboo topic. You know, they say when you go out, you don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about money. Like, you have been taught not to talk about it. But yet, it's the same thing that's keeping us in the dark Mm -hmm. and not rising. So this stat is not, like you said, it's not for judgment. It's to make you see that, no, we're not alone. That this is a thing that everyone is facing. And because there is no one really teaching financial literacy, which is another thing that makes me so angry. Like it's not being taught in high schools. Like there isn't anything, if you're not a business major, maybe, and they don't really talk about it. It's more in the the concept of money. But if you're not in the finance world, you're not taught this. And I don't think that's fair. Like everyone should know how to manage money. So it's a fundamental problem. It's not Mm -hmm. because there's anything wrong. It's just, it's really not being taught. And for me, I just learned how to do that through books, and I just kept feeding it and reading books to kind of fill what it is that I didn't know.
0: Wow, this is amazing. I mean, so you started out of necessity or out of kind of a little fu, right? You started oh, at thirteen making FU. money, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you started at thirteen making your own money, having your own business, and then now and then read and read and read and fed yourself, and that. I know I've even felt scared. I would love to know what's what's one or two financial books that we should be looking at.
1: Um, One of them that, well, I think it was Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich,
0: mm-hmm. was mm-hmm.
1: a great one because it brings in both the practical, but also mindset and the necessity of it.
0: The other thing is, I imagine that this is what you help people with, Tanya, right? So someone comes to you and... And I, like I said, I needed a mentor to help me with my money story and I need a financial planner. And so someone comes to you and share with us, what is it that you do to support someone with their money? Because we need the help.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that. So I'll just sit with someone and I'll really just listen to what it is that is their money story or bring to light their money story and um, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a financial advisor, what I am is the connector to all those things. So I take a person and I take their full picture of what it is that they want, and then see who it is that they need to be connected to, and get them clear around their money story. So I put numbers to what it is that they want to see created in their life. A lot of the story that people have is like, I don't know how much money I have coming in, or I don't know how much money I have coming out because there's so much shame around how much they spent. So I'll get them clear around their numbers because what ends up happening is it's not as bad as they think. Or whatever it is, we deal with it together and we start to unpack the emotions around money. So, As I had my business through the six years, I started to go down the the rabbit hole of money. And you said it like it was organizing. And then from organizing the money, I realized, oh, well, then we have to deal with their mindset. And once I dealt with the mindset, it was like, oh, well, what's happening here? And from the mindset, it then became beliefs. And then from beliefs, it goes to emotions. So it's allowing people to really understand and accept the emotions that come up around money, that they're not crazy. They're not bad at money. It's an emotionally charged topic. So I get clear with them on what they want to create. What's their vision? What, how are their habits? What are their characteristics? Like what could work for you might not work for another person. Um, I can't give you all just a blueprint for one and say that it's going to work. Everyone is unique. Everyone's situation is unique. So I really do listen to what it is they need and then custom build what it is so that they could really live the life that they want, whatever that dollar amount is, and then they'll get clear on it so they could just move forward in it with confidence and deal with the emotions that come up because they will. (laughs) It's just, it's a part of it.
0: Yeah, this is so important that you're doing this work, Tanya, because as you said, we think that we're really bad with money, but the truth is just that we've never been taught. Mm -hmm. And we don't know where to go. You know, one of my clients came to me because she was, starting wanting to start a a purpose based coaching business. And as we were doing our work, I kept feeling like there was a block there. And as we uncovered it, it was around money. And she and her husband don't share one financial account, but she she's responsible for her own money, or that's how they've set it up so far. And she was fine with that, except she's nervous about retirement and they've never had the conversation. And I don't fault them for that. They made a decision early on about how they would handle money. But now that she wants to be on her own, that might mean that things change. And so we were able, it was such a relief for her to just have a conversation where we were able to get to what the heart of what she needed to do was simply to start sharing Mm -hmm her questions and concerns and fears with her husband and that she really wanted more education. And having someone like you, I, now I know, you know, I will be sending people to you because you can help someone eliminate that shame, eliminate the self-judgment and learn. So it's not that we don't know about money. It's it's, it's not that we're bad with money. It's that we just don't know, but we can learn. Yes.
1: And everyone is capable of it.
0: I love this. I love it so, so, so much. So what are, I always love to do like one or two purpose power tips. Okay. What would you say are the one or two tips that everyone listening should go do?
1: Oh, man. Okay. Only one or two. Well, it I would, mean,
0: you can give three if you want.
1: <laughs> it would definitely be the money beliefs. The one I had mentioned earlier regarding write down on a piece of paper, the first 10 things that come to mind around money, and then put them into a positive spin. Mm -hmm. And then another thing I do with people that I think is really simple to bring clarity is, if you can list out what your expenses are, Mm -hmm. and then list out what your income is, and just see where you stand and put that down. And even if you don't do it, It's really good to flush up why you're not doing it. So it also might help Mm -hmm. with money beliefs. But clarity is really the thing that's going to start to bring up you moving. So if you can't get to clarity, it's going to be really good to see what's stopping you from getting there. But it's a really good thing to just have you move and to just see where you're at around money. And um, just be really gentle with yourself. Call in the female side because you're not alone. I went through this. I still go through this when I go through my money. I have to have someone helping me. Like, it, it uh-huh. is it. And I just want everyone to know that um, you're not alone. The shame is real. And to just really be gentle with yourself around it and that you're taking steps because you want to move into a life that you love. Mm.
0: Right. I love that. Thank you. And I love that you're saying that you're not alone because so many of us, I know, right now listening to this feel this. It's like if we could just start speaking about it and sharing that this is this is my fear. This is, you know, my shame. Mm-hmm. You know, Brene Brown says that shame likes to hide in dark corners, right? But once we start communicating it and you want you need to communicate with people who are safe, right? So only a couple people who are safe. Um, but once you start communicating, wow, this is this is a fear of mine. This is a desire of mine is to learn more about money to have more money to invest in myself. I mean, I was speaking with a friend of mine who is a an executive coach, and she was saying to me, when, she, when a man contacts her for executive coaching and she says her fee, they say, great, where do I sign? When a woman hears it, she goes, oh, I don't know, and she gets all, right, like, tight. And so what we want is for what I want for myself, and I'm mm-hmm. like you, Tanya, I'm still growing, is... To have this belief, and one of my mantras is that money flows to and through me, Yep. right? That it's to and through, because I don't want to be totally irresponsible out there, just spending, spending, spending. Um, and I want to feel good when I invest in myself and the kind of program I mentioned or the kind of program that you and I met in, because anytime I'm investing in myself, it's literally an investment and there's going to be a a big return at the end of it. So it's so important. I love what you're saying and to start connecting around this and sharing. Yeah.
1: And then one, I mean, actually two other things that just popped up that I really want to emphasize that just came through was the other thing that I started doing with my like Money is love. Mm. Money is a way to show gratitude. So also when we are giving someone money, it's a way to say thank you. Like you just said, when you like the executive coach, like, oh, I would love to pay you this money. You're going to give me something. So it's giving as well. So to have a, um, a feeling of gratitude around money as well, because it, it enables us to do certain things. So it's starting to see it bigger than what it just is. Oh my God, this
0: is so amazing. Okay, thank you. Now we could just, this is amazing. So money is love. You are so right. And gratitude Thank you, money, for all that you give mm-hmm. to me. Thank you, money, for all that you do for me. Thank you for all that you allow. This is incredible. And, you know, the women's program that you and I met in, Tanya, mm-hmm. I remember when I texted Josh and I said, oh, I'm I, I, want. going to sign up for this thing. And he said, is it going to help with our business? You know, <laughs> spending the money going to help with the business. And I said, well, it's going to help with me. Yep. And me feeling more confident and more whole and more alive. Yes. And me feeling more whole and alive and confident ultimately will help with the business. Yeah. And you and I just finished this program. And so I just, I think it was yesterday, the day before, said to Josh, so do you think it was worth the money? And he said, oh my God, 100%. (laughs) Why? Because our sex life has changed. My own confidence has changed. My delight in the world has changed. Has it changed my business yet? Not that much. And it doesn't matter. No, It's like, I am worth having that joy and more delight and our sex life that's worth a, a ton. And then ultimately, I know that that will lead to increased business because I'm going to be more confident in putting my ideas out, I'm going to be more visible, I'm going to be more alive, and that's going to attract more business. So thank you. Thank you to spending the money. I've it's be That's beautiful. Yeah,
1: and it teaches you how to receive.
0: <laughs> oh, this is so good. Tanya, I'm going to have to have you back because <laughs> receiving is a whole other topic, yes. right? A whole other topic. So very quickly, one of the things I like to do with my guests, women who are living their purpose, is to play something that I call the Purpose Power-Up Play Round. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick questions and whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is... Your favorite book or a book that you absolutely love? The Alchemist. Ooh, so good. Oh my God. And you knew it so good and you knew it right away. That is, it's so good. Any of you who are out there, highly, highly, highly recommend. And it is so about being on your purpose path and believing and creating abundance in every way for you and for your own life. Okay. Number two, what's one routine that you have that keeps you healthy, mind, body, spirit, finance?
1: my morning routine. So I journal, I do Reiki, and I meditate. Mm.
0: Ooh, so good. That's so beautiful. So good. And uh, here's your last one. What's one thing that your heart desires for 10 years from now or whenever? What's one of your big desires?
1: Oh, man, I want the whole thing. So I want to be on stage, empowering women around money, breaking the illusion around money. And my husband is in the audience with my children. And I am traveling and speaking and literally liberating the world from the illusion of money so that everyone could just be free to be themselves and literally see that money is love and just sharing love in the world.
0: Oh my God, that is so good. Oh my goddess. That is so good. So good. So good. Well, so shall it be my dear friend, Tanya, (laughs) or something even, (laughs) even, something even more delicious and even better. I have loved having you on. Thank you so much. Where can people find you?
1: They could find me at cutchaos.com is my website and on there is my information and they could go there and they could also find me on facebook and it's my name tonya G A U D I U S O. and i do gifts of the day there where i send inspirational messages every day of just bringing some beauty into the world because i'm trying to fight the negative that's out there so you could find me there
0: Yes. I love your gifts of the day. They're awesome. They're like just little yummy bites for any of you out there during your day. So make sure you follow Tanya. And as always, I am so appreciative of you listening to the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you loved what you heard, if you want more, please go to purposegirl.com. Get your free living on purpose guide, download it, join my newsletter. You can find out about all the amazing retreats, all the programs that I have coming up for you to live on purpose. And of course, follow me on Instagram, Karen Rockkind, and on Facebook, Coach Karen Rockkind. In the meantime, may you love yourself, may you love life, and may you live on purpose. Bye for now.